Welcome to More to Come, Peter Every Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novels. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. We are back on the floor of the Toronto Comics Arts Festival. TCAF in Toronto. Diverse city, diverse comics. We got They got it all right here. Ah, but this time we're talking with Ben Passmore. Ben, welcome and thank you for being on More to Come. What's up, what's up? Yeah, well, you're what's up right now. Uh, you and the issues that you like, you talk about and you bring into your comics. Uh, for those of you who may not know, um, in fact, I was we were just talking about this, I discovered your black friend, uh, this Really thoughtful, uh, greatly illustrated book. Kind of, you know, it, it really looked at how do I describe it? Black activist Bohemia in a way that I kind of hadn't seen, kind of uh, uh, delineated before. Looking at the world, the people around you, uh, and really talking about how different ways of racism work. Right. Um, uh, did I did I roughly describe it? Uh, uh, better for you to talk about your own work. I mean, I'm trying to do it off the top of my head. I mean, here. your description is it's interesting to me, you know, because it was like such a personal book mm-hmm. that I didn't. I initially made for uh, Cake in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, like that's the indie show out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I scammed some black and white copies, mm-hmm. uh, and this, you know, it was, it was started off black and white. And then Silver Sprocket later made a, a color edition. Um, so I expected to sell, hopefully, you know, 25 copies of it. Uh, something that was like a throw-off. Because before that book, I had just mostly done, like, genre stuff, like punk sci-fi stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, that, you know, it was, I'm like one of the characters. Like, it's, it's something that, you know, I like dealing with those kinds of issues through, like, the lens of genre. It, like... And in a way, it creates a mediation so that I can make sure that I'm making a good story on sure. top of writing something that's personal. Mm-hmm. So this was something that was like, even though I'm not a protagonist in it, it was still very, very personal. Mm-hmm. And talking about like being being a black punk in New Orleans, right? It was interesting though because I was like, and you know, your black friend is obviously like a bit of a joke, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. You know, no, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not well, every, yeah. Well, yeah. look, we, we uh, we've all been in that in situations similar right. like that where we. <laughs> Where we see kind of attitudes passing before us that are not necessarily blatantly racist, right. but they're certainly uh, it, it just shows a uh, a myopia, right. uh, a cultural and social myopia of the people around us. Very often, people we care about. Yeah, and I, I just you seem to outline the situation very clearly uh, for all to see. Yeah, it's sort of interesting. I was having a a conversation at the time with someone about Colin Kaepernick and they're like, well, his two parents are white. And I was thinking about how Malcolm X went to a, like a predominantly white high school. Mm. And there's sort of like, I think, I it's always been interesting to me, like growing up, you know, with a white mom and like mm-hmm. a, on a, on a black street in a very white town, um, that there, that there is like, I think people who have, uh, Let's let's maybe the word has been subjected to mm-hmm. or exposed to uh, in the way that people are exposed to radiation. <laughs> yes, yeah, because it does do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah it yeah, kind of like, affects you on a molecular yeah, level. Yeah, right. So it's like so you sort of recognize 
the nature and the nuances of white supremacy yeah. expressions in a way that I think other people don't. Like when I mm-hmm. lived in Georgia, I had a lot of friends that really never talked to white people all that much. Mm-hmm. And I think we're often more like, oh, I'm sure they mean well. Mm-hmm. Da, da, da. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? They mm-hmm. weren't holding some like frustration. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's, I, for better or for worse, I've had the opportunity maybe to like articulate, particularly after reason, reading Franz Fanon's Black Skin, White Masks. Mm-hmm. Um, that really gave me uh, just a glossary of terms um, and, a, and a perspective uh, and a confidence mm-hmm. to, to sort of write about it in that way. But it's been interesting, yeah, for people, a lot of people come to that book first and then later it would be like, what's all this stuff with, like, tentacles? And like, well, well, I, I, I <laughs> want to ask you about that, too. Yeah. But I do think it's, it's very interesting. As I discovered more of your comics, uh-huh. uh, I guess this was stuff on the nib, particularly about activism in New Orleans, I think right. around the Confederate statues. Right. I mean, you really just have a, a, a knack for kind of looking at grassroots, how people are functioning to to be able to, to risk, resist the challenge. Right. Racism, white supremacy, and right. as well as just bad municipal politics. Right. Uh, right. Um, and you have a really kind of open, down to earth way of looking at, uh, how you, how you act, how you work to, uh, right. for political change. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, I think, so like, my, my, my political tradition is a, is an anarchist one. Mm-hmm. So for me, like, the most important thing is communities that develop in struggle towards like a more like liberated liberated situation that's permanent so for me it's like uh i had the benefit before the nib ever asked me to write things of having you know i've been an anarchist since i was in high school Mm -hmm. um you know i've been sort of like trying to chase you know like movements of resistance for a long Mm -hmm. time to just put you know i never wrote comics about it right because it's not about that Uh um but but i think around the time that like in New Orleans, in New Orleans, especially like you know, it was like you know, everyone was like uh, seeing like the uprising in Ferguson, Baltimore, yeah. and people were like, "All right, Black Lives Matter." Like, what does that look like here? I saw a lot of sort of like younger people, you know, who had the opportunity to go to college, you know, you know, younger black kids mm-hmm. really into poetry, yeah, wood mm-hmm. jewelry. I felt like they were very enthusiastic. I felt like they had uh, sort of like a revisionist understanding of both uh, traditions of resistance mm-hmm. both black and white and also just like the logistics of how it happens mm-hmm. you know uh, and, and it became really frustrating where it's like you know like our ancestors you know our ans- our elders right we're not standing around talking yeah. you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, like uh, so I felt and there was also a lot of people that were like well we don't want to rock the boat too much because we're afraid of being in danger mm-hmm. so you know when I started doing nib stuff I was the first nib comic i did was about me getting arrested in yeah. georgia at a clan rally yeah. and i picked that one specifically because it was like look i'm in this place uh trying to participate in a way uh and it's like the f- we are already in danger right yeah. absolutely um, so better better to decide right um so i i don't know i like I don't know. I feel uh, different kinds of ways about representation, but I felt like it was important to write comics where I, as a black man, am in danger, and I'm making that decision. Well, there was Um, a real irony in that comic, too, because, what, you're arrested for having a mask on. Oh, right, yeah. And what doesn't one of the characters say something about, well, the law was about... Right, Supposedly, uh, right. yeah, unmasking right. the clan. Who I was there. Yeah, to too, for, yeah, so yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. it already kind of spirals through the whole piece. Right. But you also give us a, a, a 
well, arrested I view mm-hmm. of going through the criminal justice system, right? The jail for a political act, right? So, I mean, all of this is useful and informative, I think, to activists in a maybe in a different kind of way from mm-hmm. political theory. I mean, you kind of mm-hmm. show this resistance in mm-hmm. practice. Right, yeah, I definitely, and personally I'm, I'm really interested in praxis. You know, I read a lot of dry theory, mm. but you know, it's like, at the end of the day, you can read too much, right? Like, well, I read a lot a long time ago. Right? I'm a little older, so I, I've read it lately, but, right. but uh, it's, it's the same, right? Yeah, you know, I read Fanon a long not, time ago, but there yeah. you go. They pick new words for things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really the same. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I appreciate that. I hope that people are sort of, yeah, I mean, my my hope is that people also will like participate in things. Be like, all right, well, let me try it out. Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? But uh, but let's jump to your, to your journey because you do have this sort of punk sci-fi going right. on. But the, some of the same issues seem to be there as well. Right. Even though, I mean, I was looking at some things on your website actually to look at uh, Cottonwood as you were, and even, oh. and even the home. <laughs> what's his homework? I know you're working with some other writers yeah. on some of this. Yeah. But you have such a distinctive visual style. Right. Uh, you know, you you you. It's cartoony, but mm-hmm. it's really grounded. Um, mm-hmm. And your color too. I mean, so it, 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 that's another thing. It brings this, it brings a sense of pop culture, mm. adventurism to really political stuff, mm. uh, gritty mm. stuff. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm rambling here. Oh no. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, I guess, I guess what I'm asking is how do you develop your style of, de- of, of expressing these experiences? Um, well, it's funny because recently, with this like people being angry that I that I had opinions about R. Crumb, someone said that I was like a poor R. Crumb ripoff, and I was like, "That's not true. I am at most a, like a Jim Davis like ripoff, okay. you know, like uh, or sorry, not Jim Davis, Guy Davis. Um, yeah, 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 Guy Davis. I was I was really fascinated with like Mike Mignola, Guy Davis. Sure, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was. Uh, Brandon Graham has had some problematic behavior recently, but I was, you know, a big fan of Brandon Graham. Yeah, yeah. Um, he had, he was a yeah. major influence. Uh, and for me, you know, I would read World War Three, like a lot sure. of like mm-hmm. the anti-globalization era comics and was mm-hmm. always like, this looks terrible. Mm-hmm. This is terrible looking stuff. Some of these comics are really boring. I'm interested <laughs> in this stuff. Um, so for me, and I always really, I felt like, you know, growing up, I feel like I was part of the, like, one of the first generations of black kids that was really into anime. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, the escape is in, like, cyberpunk. And uh, and I felt really seen and was able to, like, imagine worlds. You know, this is way before Afro, the popularization of Afro sure. mm-hmm. So just projecting myself in that way. So, like, for a long time I was like, I like, poli- I believe in my politics, but really I just want to, like, put things in this genre because I feel like it's more fun. Well, that's one of the great things about your comics. I mean, you've got serious politics in it, but you, I, you, 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 you managed to stock it with, I think, a generational, and I think also a, a general, a new generational look at blackness. Uh-huh. Also, that doesn't presume as much, or presumes things that people think you know, black people shouldn't be doing or don't do. Oh, right. And yeah. I think that 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 complexity mm-hmm. with the uh, with your conversational po- uh, activism, mm. I think it really makes it open to a larger audience, and also I think it makes black people like, you know, maybe rethink some of their own conservative positions. Oh, word. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's like I never want to come off as like a like prescriptive. When I am prescriptive, I try to make it seem like. 
you know, when your good friends is trying to put you in the right yeah. direction. Or it's like, I know you. You know what I mean? Like, you know. Let's I talk. See, but, you know, it's like, let me just, let me talk to you for a little bit. I think also some of it, too, is that, like, I think we're taught uh, just, like, about, like, what we would maybe call activism, but just, like, uh, like small p like political participation it's like very it's very much like an industrial capitalist I you yeah. know like mm. uh, value of just working until you're ground down mm. but for me it's like I'm a I'm a be I'm a be black my whole life you know capitalism is it's not going away not going <laughs> so it's like how yeah. do I do this you know for as long as I can mm. and I feel like in general we you know we create uh, amazing culture right we create an American culture absolutely and they're stolen it from us but it's like and we're like you know what I mean it's like so we have a long tradition of like being funny and creative like regardless yeah, of under pressure yeah so it's like why wouldn't our comics be like yeah, that like yeah. why wouldn't a lot of political yeah. comics be like that so I guess that's like my motivation yeah. to like keep it light keep it funny keep it serious you know try to balance yeah. that and on that note tell us about bottom feeders oh bottom that you're feeders. working with uh, ezra clayton daniels yeah. well ezra clayton daniels is an amazing writer yeah um and definitely yeah i mean when i when he approached me about the book i think it's been like two three years ago mm-hmm. it's a long time ago when he started working on it i remember reading the he told me about it. I was like, all right, like, I'm broke, you know, so, <laughs> so, so the answer is yes, yes but then let's I, do it. Right, and yeah. then, but I read the script and I was like, who is this guy? Yeah. Like, how is he not widely read? Uh, cause he's such a fantastic writer. But, you know, Bottom Feeders, yes. you know, touches a lot of these topics. It's a, it's a genre or it's like an approach of gentrification. Yeah. Um, appropriation through the, you know, the genre of like body horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a uh, yeah, it's deeply atmospheric. In a lot of ways, it's it's uh, like visually sort of different from what I usually do. Um, but you know, I think that that's what collaboration does. Yeah, you know, like uh, it's the I feel like we've really created uh, like a child, right? Like a like a vo- like yeah. a voice, a new voice that's sort of like a combination of uh, both of ours. Um, but yeah, yeah. But your characters, they, they also carry on this dialogue of uh, of kind of of cultural investigation that's going on right mm-hmm. now, of cultural mm-hmm. appropriation. Mm-hmm. I mean, who who are we or who are you? Right. And how we use these symbols in our daily right. lives. Um, but it's 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 all on this vehicle of pop culture right. horror that's kind of a theory. So right. it's interesting how you conflate these tools. I mean, right. kind of the conflicts of, of social life yeah. and, you know, yeah. the conflicts of adventure and clash right. it. I mean, it all kind of works together in a way that's entertaining, right. but a little bit more. Right. Well, I've, I mean, I feel very grateful that we're like in a post-get out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's Culture a good, where, that's know, a good description. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like we have an opportunity now and in some ways like more of like a language to sort of like approach these topics in this way mm-hmm. where we can investigate things and have fun and tell stories and I think there's just a lot more people now that are like willing you know it's like I don't know if Bottom Feeders would have gotten published a couple of years ago yeah, you know? uh, yeah you know I hear you, <laughs> you know? yeah um but yeah, it feels like a really, really good time to, you know, through fiction especially, um, to sort of approach the topic. And I feel like that ideas can live in fiction longer than they can in theory and in nonfiction in a lot of ways. I think so. Um, obviously good nonfiction transcends, but I think mm-hmm. in general, I, l- I like to see like, also like, you know, like black kids are like, 
riding skateboards and wearing studs. They're, like, tying yep. their dreads and stuff. Like, from when I was younger, when, like, performances of blackness could, were, was often very narrow, particularly where I lived, yeah. mm-hmm. like, it feels like a lot, like, just a really good time for people to explore and feel comfortable with it, which is really, really exciting. And it feels like Bottom Feeders is part of that. You know what I mean? I think you're absolutely yeah. right. So what's this other project you were working on? I'm gonna, you you mentioned we were ch- chatting a little bit before. Yeah, the- yeah. I mean, it's super early, and there's not even a title for it. But okay. I, I, um, the last two years, I've been doing a lot of research, particularly because I moved to Philadelphia uh, yeah. around mm-hmm. uh, black militants uh, in that like in that pocket, um, the late '60s, early '70s. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, obviously the Black Panthers, but also RAM, which has existed for a couple of years in mm-hmm. Philly, uh, the Black Liberation Army, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess was sort of active until the early eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Move organization, obviously. Sure. Yeah. Um, I and I guess I've just been, th- you know, like through but you know Black Lives Matter movement, and then just sort of seeing like that kind of rise, and then to me really sputter out or like not prove to like. It's sort of interesting. It's like after Ferguson and Bal- in like Baltimore, I was like, "Oh, this is interesting." It's like after you know, like the Panthers popped up after Watts, right? So, like, right. what are we going to see in a modern iteration mm-hmm. of some way? And we really didn't. Mm-hmm. And I've been really curious about that. And I've been going back to sort of like read about the experiences of a lot of these people. Like some some dudes, like Russell Maroon Schultz, who was. Um, part of the Philly Black Panthers and then was in another organization I can't really remember but basically it was like BLA they were robbing mm-hmm. banks um, assassinating right. police <laughs> you know doing very, yeah, being okay. very extra yeah, okay. <laughs> so he's been in solitary confinement uh, I think wow. since mm-hmm. the 80s he got out for a little bit um, he, he escaped mm. but anyway so he's been he's been writing about Black Liberation Army um, where he saw the Panthers be right and be wrong and I was like you know, some people have access to this writing, but it's like, I I feel like we could really learn a lot from this era. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm really, there's a lot of people that haven't really been interviewed widely and haven't, and their, their writings and experience haven't been written in something that's really accessible, like comics. Mm-hmm. So I want to do something that's like, like pretty extensive. Um, cool. About about that history, and also talking about where they are now. I was just talking to a friend about the Weathermen, which was a, you know, a group of left wing anti war activists, you know, that uh, that did a a long bombing campaign. And what's interesting is that they all got to live. (laughs) Very interesting. (laughs) Unlike the Black Liberation Army, which largely was killed, imprisoned, some of them were exiled. and there's, you know, there's that's and there's a lot of PTSD, you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it's it's just sort of interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is I mean, this is you're you're describing the, the years of my coming of age. Right. Say, you know, I'm over sixty, mm-hmm. so I came of age in the sixties and the seventies through a lot of these movements that you're mm-hmm. talking about. So uh, I'm anxious to see it. I mean, you've kind of shown that you've got your own take on these things mm-hmm. uh, and a way to kind of uh, bring other bring the audiences in. So mm-hmm. uh, we can't wait to see. What you're going to be doing, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. More to come from you for sure. I hope so. All right, Ben. Look, thank you so much for being on More to Come. Absolutely. All right, we'll talk some more <laughs> when you get it done. Take care. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com/slash comics. Well, uh, listeners, once again, we're in Toronto at the Toronto Comics Arts Festival, TCAF. Uh, one of the most delightful 
comics arts festivals in North America. Uh, Toronto's great. Uh, TCAF uh, reflects the city. Uh, it's diverse. It's fun. And you know what? It's full of comics, and particularly so this weekend. So once again, I have the pleasure of being in the Europe Comics booth, surrounded by artists from uh, from Europe. <laughs> uh, and I'll tell you a minute, they've all got wonderful books coming out. Uh, to my left, Emily Plateau, who has a book come out called Colored, The Unsung Life of Claudette Col- Colvin. Very interesting. I uh, want to talk to her about that. Uh, also, Alexander Clarice who has a book, uh, Atomic Empire, several books, actually, right? I'm also talking with uh, Nazeli Baron here from Europe Comics, who who has translated for this program before. And I might add, uh, Thomas Ragon, the editors of all these books are here. Uh, and in addition, Richard Marazzano, who has a book coming out, Milo's World. Did I get that right? Yes. So, um, with that whirlwind introduction, uh, we're going to go to each of the artists and get a chance to hear a little bit about them and about uh, the books that they have. Uh, bonjour, Emily. <laughs> That's all the French I have, but okay. uh, t- but uh, t- t- tell us a little bit about uh, the book that you have called it. It's very interesting uh, because it's set uh, in the earliest days of the civil rights movement here. So I'm, I'm obviously I'm very interested. So tell us about the story. Alors, c'est l'adaptation d'un roman de Tania de Montaigne, qui est une écrivaine journaliste française. This is the adaptation of a novel by Tania de Montaigne, who is a French uh, journalist and novelist. Et uh, ça se passe aux États-Unis, à Montgomery, uh, en Alabama, dans les années 50. It takes place in Alabama, in Montgomery, in the 50s. Et en fait, c'est l'histoire uh, donc méconnue de Claudette Colvin, qui est la première femme noire américaine à avoir refusé de céder sa place à une femme blanche dans un bus neuf mois avant Rosa Parks. So this is the story of uh, Claudette Colvin, uh, who is uh, basically the little-known uh, story. Of, of Claudette Colvin, who is the first woman who refused to give her place in a bus nine months before Rosa Parks mm-hmm. did the same thing. Yes, it's a very interesting story and not mm-hmm. not known very much to, to even to most Americans. So, bah, moi, ce qui m'a intéressé, c'est que c'est vraiment euh, une histoire totalement incroyable et euh, et surtout, c'est euh, comment dire comment une, une femme, comment une euh, une femme peut être complètement évincée de l'histoire alors qu'elle a eu un acte héroïque et courageux. So what really interested me about this story, what intrigued me, is, is how a woman can be completely erased from history. Her heroic and very courageous acts can be completely forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, can you can you just tell us a little bit about her life? Oui. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Alors, uh, en fait, quand au moment où But elle how a... old was she at the time? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, au moment où elle a refusé mm-hmm. de céder sa place à une personne blanche dans un bus, elle est adolescente. Elle avait 15 ans. She was actually only 15 mm-hmm. when she refused to give her place in a mm-hmm. bus. Et donc elle a refusé et euh, et elle a été arrêtée par la police. So she was she refused to give her place and she was arrested. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Et en fait, c'est la première personne à avoir euh, porté plainte contre Montgomery et avoir plaidé non coupable. So she's the first person who who pushed charges mm-hmm. uh, against Montgomery and uh, who pleaded not guilty. Et en fait, si elle a été évincée de l'histoire, c'est parce que, euh, en comparaison avec Rosa Parks, euh, sa peau était plus foncée, elle était moins... Euh, elle, déjà, elle n'était pas considérée comme une adulte. So, she was erased from history because her, her, skin, she was, her skin was darker than that of Rosa Parks. Mm-hmm. She had mm-hmm. a darker, darker mm-hmm. color. 
And she was not really adult yet. So yes. She was, mm -hmm. she was en comparaison euh, avec Rosa Parks qui avait un travail, même si elle était modeste, elle faisait ses vêtements elle-même parce qu'elle était couturière et donc elle avait euh, une. Euh... Whereas compared to Rosa Parks, so Rosa Parks she had a job, mm -hmm. although a modest one, but she was she was a seamstress. Mm -hmm. So she was more, let's say, honorable uh, mm -hmm. as compared yeah. to young Claudette. Mm -hmm. And Rosa Parks was a very, very experienced activist too, yes. at the time. So, oui, oui, Rosa Parks était militante depuis 20 ans en fait. She, she was a militant for Rosa yes. Parks for 20 years, so yes. she had more experience. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. uh, well, uh, I, I'm curious, your drawing style is very simple, very straightforward. Um, uh, it seems to work very well with the story. Bah en fait, ce qui m'a beaucoup euh, interpellée dans l'histoire et dans le style de, de Tania de Montaigne, c'est qu'il est très incisif, il est très percutant et c'est une histoire qui est très très violente. Et du coup, j'aimais bien le, le, le mélange de mon dessin qui est très épuré, très fin, euh, avec l'histoire très violente. What really intrigued me about uh, the, the story, the novel of Tania de Montaigne, was that she was very straightforward. She had a very strong voice. And I want, and, and the story itself is very violent, and uh, so I wanted to contrast this with my. I, I like the contrast between this power and this violence with my very simple and pure style. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, good luck on the book. It's Thank really, you. really a wonderful story. So, Alexander, tell us about Atomic Empire. L'Empire de l'Atome, donc, est un livre écrit avec Thierry Smolderen. It's written with by Thierry Smolderen. Mm -hmm. Euh, donc c'est une histoire qui, qui se passe dans les années 50 euh, donc euh, au début de, de, de l'ère atomique It, uh, the story takes place in the 50s at the beginning of the atomic period mm -hmm. <laughs> où euh, tous les objets le design et l'architecture euh, allaient vers un, une sorte de futur euh, de science-fiction euh, assez euh, florissant so in that period all objects design and films and everything architecture also were very inspired by this futuristic style mm -hmm. Et donc on suit l'histoire de, de Paul qui, est un, qui travaille pour la, la CIA. So we follow the story of Paul who works for the CIA. Qui est un, un bureaucrate et qui, euh, qui travaille pendant ses heures de bureau, dessine des cartes de l'espace. So uh, in his, uh, in his, during his work he's a bureaucrate, he he's a clerk maybe, that's mm -hmm. a better job, uh, description. And uh, during his, uh, his work hours he, uh, he draws car maps of space. Mm -hmm. euh, donc ses supérieurs l'envoient euh, chez un psychiatre ou euh, pensant peut-être même qu'il euh, travaille pour euh, les russes mais euh, en fait lui il leur avoue qu'il communique télépathiquement avec un homme dans le futur de plus de 100 000 ans dans le futur qui... so, yeah, so he's actually accused uh, of being a spy even uh, so the government kind of is worried about these space maps and he Uh, says that he's actually communicating with another planet, with another universe, hundred millions, <laughs> million years away ah. from the Earth. Et, euh, et donc, euh, c'est un peu inspiré de, de l'histoire vraie, enfin, euh, de l'histoire un peu romancée de euh, l'auteur de science-fiction Cordwainer Smith. It is in inspired partially by the real story of Cordwainer Smith. Cordwainer Smith, so help me with this. Yes, who is a science fiction uh, ah, writer. Oui. Mm -hmm. He a bit forgotten in him as well. Et donc, ce personnage est récupéré par un mania de la publicité. So the so Paul is actually being a sort of kidnapped by this ma this very rich uh, magnet, like publicity advertising uh, crazy man, basically yeah. the evil guy of the story. <laughs> 
pour euh, récupérer les secrets euh, des inventions du futur. So he, this rich, uh, crazy evil guy, he tries to hypnotize Paul in order to get from him all the secrets of the future of, of this other uh, empire, of this uh, right. space empire. A, a complicated and intriguing plot. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> pour chaque séquence du livre j'ai utilisé de la documentation très précise entre des films et euh, des, des, des films noirs, euh, des designers, des architectes, euh, photographes euh, mm. de l'époque. Basically, for for every page, there is a lot behind every page of the book. There are tons of research, tons of materials like imagery, documentaries, films, advertising, everything from that period. Tantôt inspiré par euh, des dessinateurs euh, de Disney, inspired comme, by euh, Disney artists, comme des cinéastes de Hitchcockien, or Hitchcock or other other filmmakers. It's really really looks striking I can't wait to, wait to read it now is this going to be published the Atomic Empire is going to be published it's right? already published uh -huh. yes so uh -huh. the second book for it's going to be a, a trilogy although uh, but by the same duo uh, the second book uh, Diabolical Summer is coming mm -hmm. out next week right. by IDW alright great well congratulations and good luck on the book alright Richard tell us about Milo's World So Mallory's World is a fantasy adventure mm. from for all kids from 9 to 99 years old, actually. Okay. <laughs> yeah, There's a lot of older kids here yeah, right now, yeah. including one in front of you. Go on. Yeah, and, my, and myself <laughs> yes. as well. And it's it's been um, it's, I wrote it with uh, in collaboration with uh, Christopher Christoph uh, Ferreira, who is the artist who is working in animation in Tokyo, actually. With a, he was a student of Otsuka. The, The, so you can see the manga. Yeah, yeah, because because actually was a student of Otsuka who also was a master of Miyazaki and Takahata. Mm -hmm. So you can see that they have a similar approach in in graphics, and it's the story of a um, of a young kid with um, with a bit uh, of uh, maverick actually, and who discovers he is gonna have a possibility capability to travel between worlds uh -huh. from his world to other worlds and he's going to discover his own worlds full of mysteries and adventure and weird creatures like this toad man who, whose sole purpose is to try to eat kids but he's so stupid he never manages and um, and it's uh, I, well I thought it was a wonderful story to express the feelings of kids trying to build their own worlds among the worlds of adults in this story they They erased the adult worlds, actually, to create their own ones. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. um, this is coming out it, now, or is it, this is coming out next week also? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh -huh. it's just an exclusivity for the TKF, actually. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, I, I am curious, though, uh, have, you, have you been into the U.S. before? Or rather, this isn't, we're on in America now, we're in Canada, but have you been to North America before? Yeah, this? yeah. Yes, I've been in New York, in San Francisco, in At comic shows, or? Not in comic shows. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. in San Diego, but it was a total yeah. failure. You didn't want to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the others, I'm always curious to see if uh, this is the first time you've been to North America or not, and particularly to North American-style shows. Euh, yeah, j'ai vécu euh, six mois à Montréal. J'étais en résidence dans un atelier avec euh, une vingtaine de dessinateurs euh, de bande dessinée. I've done a residence in Montreal uh, mm -hmm. for six months. 
Euh, euh, je suis allée au, à Québec aussi. Ça a été festival de Québec. Québec Festival. Uh, it's the first one in uh, USA, uh, Canada. In Canada, USA, yeah. yeah. No, we're not in USA. We're not. <laughs> no, no, yeah. This is the first time uh, on the continent. We go to, uh, to San Francisco. We're, uh, we're continuing on uh-huh. the tour. Yeah. But uh, yes, so there'll be more stops on the tour. Yes. Great. All right. Well, I'm always interested in the reaction to American style. Oh, uh, shows. Uh, oh, it's really amazing. The, yeah. the atmosphere is really because there is a lot of variety of mm-hmm. work and art, and but also a lot of variety in the public mm-hmm. as well compared yeah. to France, which is more, more, uh, yes, yeah, more homogeneous in France. Mm-hmm. And here, the people are from various horizons, various age, family, public, and, and everything. It's really, really motivating and really well, nice. Well, in some ways, this is a recent event in American comic shows, that they are so diverse, because, uh, you know, they for many years, they were all focused on superhero comics, but it's, it's, mm-hmm. that's changing that's changed dramatically over the last few years. Look, anyway, thank you so much for giving me uh, some time. It's a pleasure to talk to you. All your books are terrific, and I, I can't wait to see you. Thank so you very much. Have good luck on your tour here. Thank, thank you. you. Right. Thank you very much.